Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix 179th film from 2019. It's the horror film called Eli. It's directed by Kieran Foy. It stars Kelly Riley, Sadie Sink, Lily Taylor, Max Martini, and Charlie Shotwell. I'm Jesse, and I am here with MJ. Hello. How you doing? Good. Better than you. <laughs> Better than me. I am recovering from a bout of illness, let's just say, but uh, definitely ready to chat Eli with you. Good. Well, um, yeah, this is a, a horror film, so right up your alley. So can you start mm, us I off? I do like my horrors. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, start us off with your fast flicks for, for Eli, which uh, I'm sure is going to be nice. Yeah. A family, well, nice is probably a weird <laughs> way to put this film. A family goes to an isolated facility to rid their young son of his deadly allergies, only to discover a darker presence appears to be stalking him. Okay. Similar sort of lines, but not quite the, the same, I guess, which is good. But I've just said it's a, a young boy with a debilitating illness seeks help from a doctor who uses some unconventional methods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. I prefer yours to mine. No, I think they're both as good as each other. <laughs> <laughs> this this is, a, this is a, a film that has been seen by quite a few people. So hopefully you might be able to fill us in on what um, we can see as how it was made and put together and some background knowledge on this film. Yeah, there's a, a fun little story with this one. Um, so the screenwrite, the screenplay was written by David Churchurillo. Churchurillo, that's a hell of a name, um, David Churchurillo. Um, but it was in the in the blacklist back in 2015. So we haven't had a blacklist script on the Netflix originals for a while. So nice to be back on the blacklist. Um, two years later when it got picked up, that was in March, 2017. That was when it was picked up and announced that Kieran Foy would direct the film. Uh, they had Ian Goldberg and Richard Nang who were going to basically take the original screenplay and add to it and, and adapt it and do whatever they could to sort of make it, make it probably what we saw on screen. Um, and then we, next thing we found out was that the, basically the entire cast was, was locked in by late 2017. And this is around about the same time that Paramount players had acquired the distribution rights to the project and they in turn had already slated it for release for January, 2019. So the film itself uh, began filming in January, 2018 in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. Uh, However, the, the big plan to have it released by Paramount on January, 2019, basically hit a snag. Um, Netflix ended up buying the distribution rights off Paramount after Paramount reportedly could not figure out how to market the film. Uh, Netflix then obviously released it on their own service on the 18th of October, 2019. So this actually was the first film from Paramount Players, which is basically a division of Paramount Pictures, to not receive a theatrical release. Um, Although Paramount Pictures in general, um, we saw it happen a bit earlier with Cloverfield Paradox. It was also around the same time that Paramount sold the international distribution rights to Annihilation after that had a really dicey box office result in the States. Um, so you actually see that Annihilation is a Netflix original in quite a lot of countries around the world, but not one we do on this podcast because it's not an official Netflix right. original. Had a theatrical run um, in America. Huh? That's it. So the film itself had an estimated budget of $11 million, which is always nice to see the budgets. And I, you know, I like to do your budget comparisons because you know, you're sitting at home going, what the hell is $11 million going to buy me normally? So 
I like to do some ones that are a bit more modern, but I couldn't help saying that Star Wars and New Hope was $11 million. Um, that film went all right. So Eli probably not hitting those standards. Also things like Gremlins and, and The Fighter and High School Musical 3, all $11 million. But more recently, and I say more recently, I'm still talking sort of seven, eight years, but If I Stay, 2014, I, Tonya, 2017, Fighting With My Family, probably the most recent, that's still 2019, Inside Lewin Davis, 2013. So we're not talking big blockbusters with $11 million, but um, yeah, still a decent budget for a, for a horror film, to be perfectly honest. And uh, that's kind of how I got to our screens and why we're podcasting it today, Jesse. Yeah, good. I, I had a lot of those same films. The only other one I'll add that's, uh, that I thought could sit there with Star Wars was Dr. Zhivago. Um, back in the day, that was a, a big hit as well uh, for $11 million. But obviously for inflation, it would be uh, quite a bit of a different number. <laughs> so, it's funny looking at the old ones. I'm like, oh, man, what a bargain. <laughs> I think uh, this is probably a good time too to say I'm going to include some things about spoilers. So if you wanted to check this out, uh, give us a pause and come back because a few of the little bits and pieces that I've got are about the plot, I guess. And um, I think yeah, this one. And then the rest of the conversation is going to spoil the hell out of the spoil movie. Spoil it out anyway, of anyway. So yeah. Just stop now. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we can talk about characters without uh, spoiling the <laughs> either. So uh, I think the I paused during the the, the movie at this stage. There's like this big billboard early on. Um, and that was early on. I was like, okay, so this has got some religious connotations to it. And there's this billboard on the side of the road that read um, Proverbs 19.9, the false witness will not go unpunished and he who tells lies shall perish. And this sort of uh, foreshadows quite a lot of the film. Um, if you're paying attention early on in the movie, uh, pick up, Jesse. the other one that I didn't pick up on, but um, I saw in the notes was that the nurse, when one of the nurses, they, Eli goes in to get weighed and, um, his weight was uh, Spanish for 666, implying uh, the true identity of Eli as well. So there's quite a few little clues in there um, as you go, if uh, you're interested in going back and giving us a rewatch, if you have seen it. Uh, nominated for a couple of awards. So it was nominated for two awards at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, which we often see with the horror films. It didn't win either, but it was for the best streaming premiere film and the best director for a streaming premiere film. And this actually lost to a film that we have done, The Perfection. Um we covered a oh, few right. episodes ago. Yeah, so good I little tie that. in there. Yeah, I, I think you did more than I did. Um, <laughs> the last thing I've got, the translations. There's only one good translation for this one across the world. Okay. And that was in Greece, and this was called Nightmare in the Clinic. <laughs> oh, yeah. All <laughs> yeah, right. Which, yeah, it's good. That could have yeah. been our fast flicks. Yeah, it could have. could have, <laughs> exactly. Um, I think you've touched on everything else. So let's talk about the, the consensus, what the critics and the audiences were saying about this one. Yeah, so it's it's actually probably just under par, let's say. Uh, it's sitting at a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. 34,000 ratings. Um, so they've been pretty happy with that. Obviously, Netflix releasing this in October, hoping it to be a bit of a Halloween release. And you know what? I'm Like last October, I've watched probably like 20, 20 horror movies, you know, in the space of a month, like or month and a half. So it's, it's smart to get these new stuff on during that time of year. Um, it's a little bit more tempered on Letterboxd, 2.4 out of 5. Again, 28,500 ratings. So decent numbers. People are watching it. They don't love it, but they certainly don't hate it. Um, it's kind of where it's at. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes are a little bit lower on the lower end for both, I guess. Um, I guess, yeah, 48% on 25 reviews. So that does sit at Rotten by the critics. And then the audience had it even lower on 38%. And that's on over 500 on Rotten Tomatoes. So, um, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag across um, the board here for what we're seeing. Mm. 
What are your early thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think the general consensus sits pretty well with me. Um, I thought the movie was really weird. I thought the good stuff in it was really good and the bad stuff was was pretty bad. I think the scares, some of the scares were excellent, were, were really good scares. I think the story and the delivery of the story was a little bit bogus. Um, I think some of the acting was pretty ordinary. Um, so I just... It's just kind of a weird watch because I didn't hate it, um, but it looked, yeah, it just didn't didn't quite fit together for me. I feel like I'm a parrot. I'm going to pretty much repeat exactly <laughs> what you said. I just I would say it shorter. I was like I was engaged at times. There's some cool scares, but overall it was really sloppy and had some very ordinary performances. So thank you. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I I always wanted to preface that I very very rarely will comment on acting. I don't feel yeah. like I'm equipped comment on whether someone's done a good job acting but i felt no no no. this is i'm really noticing that these people aren't doing a very good job and you're this I, you very rarely comment on performances so this is obviously yeah. we've we've felt something here i think so too i think it's hard to when you've got a, a movie where you're trying to scare the audience um when there's not much believability about the characters that you're watching, it sort of takes away from that, that factor, I think. Um, and that, that's probably why it's not critiquing the people for what they're doing. It's more that it impacts the story. Mm, that's a good point. And you know what? I'm just going to jump along to the next section, Jesse, because you're segueing for me very nicely <laughs> to talk through characters. And obviously Eli being our main guy played by Charlie Shotwell. Um, I actually think he was probably the best part of the movie because I appreciated that, Eli was probably the only character that acted the way you would act if you were in these situations. I think Eli knew that he wasn't hallucinating. He fought basically to figure out what the hell is going on. Like the way that you would actually act if you think something's not going right and you're actually in danger. And that's one thing I really appreciated about that character that it wasn't just like, oh, my parents have taken me here. I have to do this because i got to do this. And then they just said like, oh, you're hallucinating. Oh, am I hallucinating? Okay, well, it felt really real. Fair enough. He didn't buy into any of it. He fought really hard for it. It made everything a lot more, um, made all the scares a lot more real because you knew that he wasn't just like, oh, it's all in my head. Um, so I can't say that about any other character, but I, I, I think it's worth pointing out that it actually, that side of it did work with Eli. And I reckon they might've had a good movie if they had done that with the other four characters. Yeah, I think... And I think that he probably works a bit more too because the believability of his connections with some of like, you know, he's got, they do a good job of showing he's got a close connection with his mother and you can tell straight away he's a bit standoffish with his dad. So, you know, you, you can relate to these these things that his kid's going through, even though he's going through a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Like this this idea of a, a bubble boy, I guess. And, um, you know, deep down, he just wanted to be a brave, normal kid. And and that's relatable. So I think that works, especially you need to have something that's relatable when there's a lot of other stuff that's uh, very supernaturally or, or um, you know, that you're not going to see walking down the street. Yeah. And, but that's, you could still, that stuff can still fit in any movie um, because you're still basing these characters in reality. And if you want to tell me that there's a supernatural presence or there's a, you know, devil like presence, then show me how a normal person would act around that. That's, that's probably what I'm trying to trying to say and if you move on to to rose which is um eli's mum, and to your point actually i actually i really enjoyed the mother-son relationship I, I think and i also appreciate that it stayed really strong throughout everything that that love that was there between the two of them genuinely existed despite the fact that he was the son of the devil <laughs> um 
that, that bond, you know, never, never wavered. It was, it was always part of who they were. And um, despite everything that happens to Eli, he still does decide to keep his mum on board. And I think if you ignore the fact that this is a movie about trying to rid Satan from a child's soul, the way Rose behaves as a mother who would do anything for her son kind of does stand out in a relatable way, um, despite the fact that it is just a kind of funky way of doing it. Yeah, and I think the the over-the-top um, praying and uh, always, you know, showing her religious side of things sort of added to that a little bit further in that it highlighted the disparity between the dad, I guess, because like you mentioned, you, that, that connection between her and Eli was really nice. And then, you know, the the dad, you know, he makes mention, I'm jealous of, what was his name? Paul. Uh, he was jealous of that Paul, connection yeah. that, that the wife had with Eli. And, you know, um, I didn't get the impression that he'd even care if Eli was out of his life, to be honest. Like, it's just like, yeah, just get the move on. Let's, let's get it over and done with. And that was an issue with the film in general is that, I would have preferred a little more subtlety in Paul. Clearly, not only does he just not really like his kid that much, like he's, he's clearly all in on this experiment or whatever they're doing. And it's, it's like they, they wanted to make sure that when they do a big reveal, like everything adds up. And you can sit there and go, oh, well, that's why he's doing this. That's why he's doing that. But you can still do it in a better way that's not so in your face. Um, you know, maybe even just like one subtle thing at the start where you're like, is he not on board? And then just leave it alone. And, and it, in this case, it was just constant, constant, constant. I was like, yeah, we get it. Like, he's, he's not on the same page. Dr. Horn. I, I want to bring uh, Dr. Horn up because I just think, like, you never, ever got the impression that she cared for Eli or wanted him to get better. And that's something that you probably really need in this role if you get that turnaround is going to work. And you need, you need some light and you need some shade because this, this character plays such a central role in the audience trying to work out whether Eli is going to be saved or not. So it was just so monotonal all in the one direction and that it didn't work. You're 100% right. I, I had so much trouble with this character and I thought, in general, I thought it was really poorly acted, but they, they leave these cracks in her character. Like they don't even let her feign compassion to what she's doing to a child because they want you to make, they want you to think she's the bad guy in all of this. And they'll be like, hey, look, they've got a dodgy doctor. This is a movie about a dodgy doctor and this kid's going to have to find his way out. And it just feels like they're dumbing that character down so much because they just, they just want to give you a little bit of a bait and switch by the end of it where it doesn't, it's funny because in the end, you kind of, you kind of do get a satisfaction of the bad guy you know, getting her comeuppance, even though she wasn't technically the bad guy, but it just didn't work. Like that feeling of it being off the whole time was just way too obvious. I think you put that well as well. Um, anyone else you wanted to talk about? Nah, you could you could argue about talking about Sadie Singh's character, but there's not much yeah. there. All right, director Kieran Foy um, done a couple of horror films, I guess. That's how he got picked up for this. Yeah, he seems to be a bit of a horror man, really. Yeah. His first feature was called Citadel, which I hadn't heard of. And then he did Sinister 2, which I have heard of. Yeah. Um, and he's done a few episodes of The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is semi-big. So, yeah, he's a horror man. Yeah. Right. What are some scenes in this one that you enjoyed? Yeah, it's funny because I thought, 
I thought there were more than there actually was when I was so when I was watching the film I, I kind of enjoyed it more but I guess like I'm kind of categorizing them all as one but um the probably the key scene of the film and this film the scene that sticks out for me is something that um, when I think about this film I'll keep thinking about how good the scene was was that that scare scene probably the first scare scene really the little girl behind the glass and then chasing Eli down the hallway that was a genuine scare I I had chills watching that scene it was so so great um unfortunately nothing else is probably as good but I I think the only I don't have specific scenes I think most of the scares in general though really really work like things like the breath in the window the hands in the window obviously having a lot of fun with the mirror and the reflections they just created a real sense of eeriness and, and creepiness throughout the whole film and I, as we know we've got a guy who's done a fair bit of horror he, he knows the genre he got the horror stuff really really well done and i guess maybe there just wasn't enough else there for him to work with like you can see that he absolutely knows what he's doing with with trying to scare the audience i'm pretty much the same like the, those jump scares the first sightings of the ghost were good and i thought the the ghost drag him around the corridors like you mentioned that that was really well done because everything the camera moves and you can see the ghosts and the reflections and mm. him moving it that, that was good um and the only other thing that i thought when eli got his dad at the end i won't say much else but i thought that was a that was a good get um when his dad uh of his i don't know what dad you'd call him but his what are some things that you didn't like in this one then yeah I put this one in late, actually. This was a late inclusion to my list. Um, but those those hillbillies at the start who were laughing and, and taunting him, like, in, I'm in not going to have world? anything different to say. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's doing that? And then you're trying to open a film with this. It's kind of yeah. like, hang on. I'm trying to believe something and you're already creating this, this level of fiction that's just too far-fetched for me to think this is based in any kind of reality. It's just an awful but- way to treat a kid. And it was just a too big a setup. Like it was like it didn't feel like a, an interaction randoms would have with each other. It was just like these are my lines. I'm going to sit in a chair and say some lines and laugh. And all right, cool, we've got it. Let's put it in. It's terrible, wasn't it? Yeah. And you know what? Did it add anything? I guess it should, it just highlighted that you know he is sick and he he's got a, a panic about him, things like that. But God, didn't add much. Um, so I'm glad I did put that in. It, um, the other stuff that bothered me was, I guess, more the, the stuff we've already been talking about, about how you would actually act in those situations. Like, to me, it felt very weird that they were learning everything about these procedures on the fly and that the doctors were revealing everything on the fly, even though they all knew that there was like an exorcism type thing. You think they'd still get a hell of a lot of detail on, on how it all works. Um, that felt very strange to me. And I guess that was their way of getting, making the doctor feel really dodgy. Um, but I just don't think as parents, particularly what we know about the mum who kind of wanted to do this, but at no harm to Eli, you'd think she would have been very much across how it all works. So that was a bit sloppy. And then the final thing and the other thing is, which is very similar, is if, if your son is having these sort of hallucinations, like wouldn't you sort of sleep in his room or never leave his side or try and protect him in some way? It's like, oh, yeah, these are pretty serious hallucinations. A lot can happen. A lot can go wrong. We will see you in the morning. Uh, you stay in that room. We're out here. But uh, yeah, just shout out if you need it. Like it would, it just, it just felt stupid. Just in case the demon comes out and goes into someone else's yeah. body or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah that's true. The little, a couple of little things for me. The I can live with the Eli and Lie letters changing around, but the 
turning it upside down to get the 317 as the code to get into the basement. And then when Eli wakes up the 137 on the clock as he wakes in the middle of the night, was just a bit too much on the nose for me. I think it was just like pulling too many strings. Like the line Eli was fine, but then those were just not, not, not good. <laughs> so if um, the 137 wasn't there, would you have allowed the 317 or did that maybe that, you didn't want the three ones? Yeah. yeah I, that's I fair enough too. Cause yeah. I, I thought the same thing when he woke up 137, I was like, do we need to go this far? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just too much. Uh, the only other thing, like, and this this probably leads in with what you're talking about with the, the performances, but the argument between Rose and Paul about, um, if he wants to know what he was saying to the doctor or what the doctor was saying to him. And it was about, you know, Eli possibly not making it through the procedure and the, the tantrum. And it was just a really poor way to throw the audience off with what was going to come afterwards. It just felt really weird. It was like, they're throwing it really hard in your face that the mum has no idea what's going on. And it just felt so off to just quickly reveal next she's in on it. It's a really good point because that reveal of the mum being in on it could have been great. It could have been really, really good. Um, Either she's a great actor or there's still some remorse, which we know there is some remorse still. But that was kind of like, because I didn't obviously pick the twist that he was like the son of the devil, but um, you knew something was going on. So when it happened, you're like, ah, oh, okay, so this is what's going on. Didn't pick it, but like, you, you're, not, you're not surprising me still. And that's probably what they did wrong. Uh, what are some themes or some ideas in this movie that they're trying to get across? Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's a, it's a horror movie, sometimes it doesn't go as deep, but the, the mother-son relationship stuff I thought was really good. And I thought the way that they ended the film with him basically sparing his mum. And now let's his mum still put him in this situation to potentially kill him, but um, they also he also just sort of respected that they'd built that bond over such a long time. And I thought that was great. Um, I also think the the struggles you see of the two parents. And again, may, may not have been done great, but that idea of trying to do what's right for your child and that, that struggle of not knowing or thinking that you know what the answer is and you're taking these risks and you don't know if it's going to work, like that that was actually captured kind of well, whether it was even supposed to or not, because I feel like the dad wasn't actually playing by those rules. I don't think he was really battling with that. Um, they're the main sort of themes. And one thing I... I guess I don't know if I picked up on or whether it wasn't there was any kind of like devil lore or Satan lore or any kind of, I don't know if I just missed it or I'm just not familiar with it. I feel like they could have done a bit more with that. Yeah. Yeah. True. You could have had a few more clues, clues along the way. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, just leading on from like the idea that adults hide things from kids too, in that, you know, you've been mm. between the relationships and that leads into the idea of lies and truth and trust. And there's always backwards and forwards between, you know, kid and adult in those situations. And and there's that emphasis too on faith and, and religion and, and what lengths that you're going to go to for your beliefs, like how, how into your beliefs are you that you're willing to almost sacrifice your child? Um, and obviously the last 15 minutes goes a bit batshit crazy. So um, <laughs> you need to, you know why, but yeah, I think that, there's some good things. To find <laughs> <up>. <laughs> it's a great point. It's a really good point though. Um, what, what did you take away from this one? Uh, not much. And I think the main thing I'd want to think about is, is I really, I really do like horror movies and a bad horror movie is still a bad movie. And, and, and I, um, and I can always, I don't sit there and go, I like horror movies. So I'm going to like all horror movies, but you know, there are things in this one that were really good as a horror fan but with that said, I don't think I could recommend this to, to a horror lover 
despite those scares being really good. And I think if I did recommend it, I'd have to preface it by saying, you might get a couple of good scares here, but like, I'm not telling you that everything else is really good. So um, that's, that's probably the main thing. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I think that the runtime is perfect. That's the sort of runtime you need for a film like this. So good on them for keeping it tight like that because it didn't drag at any stage, um, which sometimes nah. can happen. So good on them for that. Could it could have even been ten minutes shorter? Sure. <laughs> like, like it didn't. You're right. It didn't drag. But I'm saying like it wasn't like there were storytelling elements that we felt were were lost. Like there was. Yeah. True. Yeah. Um, IMDb. Did you go into IMDb to check anyone out? I did for this one. I jumped on for Dr. Horn, who's played by <laughs> Lily Taylor. Um, and she, oh, she's in The Conjuring. I remember she's mm-hmm. the mum in like the main, in the first, obviously the first Conjuring film, the mum that's basically one of the ones getting possessed. Now that is a good horror film. <laughs> it is a good horror film. And um, I saw that she was in The Conjuring and I was like, nah, don't, wasn't that. So she's been in some Gotham, some Law and Order, SVU, was a minor role in a film that we did a while ago called To the Bone, um, but okay. didn't recognise um, from any, so it was a miss for me. I have to assume, though, Jesse, that she was in an episode of Law and Order and it's just stuck in your head. Yeah, 100%. And you might not remember it exactly, but you're like, geez, I know her. She, she was yeah. a bloody killer in Law and Order. To the corpse. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to bring this up here because at the end of last week's episode when I read the cast list, I was like... Sadie Sink, and I sort of said to you, I was like, I'm oh, sure oh, we've done a Flix forum movie on Sadie Sink. And once I saw who it was, I was like, ah, I know now. Um, so she, did, did. <laughs> she did the Fear Street films. She was Ziggy in those films. So um, She's also in Stranger Things, Stranger obviously Things, yeah. a big, big Netflix girl. Yes. So um, I'm happy that I didn't uh, completely burn out on that one. <laughs> That's well done, Jesse. That's really, because you did say that. You're like, why do I know the name Sadie Sink? Well mm. done. Yeah, well, I should have done. I did three episodes on Fear Street, so yeah. <laughs> um, questions. Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? I got two. I'm going to start Ooh, with. Good. I'm glad we haven't talked about the ending because I didn't have it in my bad scenes because it wasn't bad. It was, but I want to know what what are your thoughts on the ending because honestly, it, it felt like it was from a different movie to the one that we just watched. Yeah, I, it completely threw me off, and um, I think. We didn't really talk about Haley as a character, the the sister of Eli that we find out right at the end because she's one of Lucifer's kids as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to say about the ending because I, it just threw me off completely because I didn't expect that, I guess. I kind of enjoyed the the scene down in the um, in the emergency room or whatever, in the operating room. I think that was kind of fun and that yeah. obviously took it to another level. It did get a little bit strange when they left. And the mum was kind of like bowing down to her son, and this uh, Sadie Sink was kind of like, "Hey, you figured it out? Hey, like, oh yeah, we got a few other half brothers and sisters that gets around." I was like, "What the hell? Like, is this?" It, it's like we the the final two minutes was from the movie Little Evil, uh, another Netflix movie that obviously had a kid that was possessed by the devil, <laughs> but it was like horror comedy. It, it just it just changed its tone, which is fine. That's it's kind of fun, but I, I did, I'm similar to you. I don't know how it how it sat with me. But then they sit in the car and then the uh, Eli's doing the reverse things on his mother that she did to calm him down. So it's like, now yeah, it's like, I'm in charge. I'm in control. It was, yeah, it was a complete, um, yeah, was not expecting it. It was strange. And then, yeah, credit to him. Go for it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. all for you. Trying something. It just, I, I, I don't know if I liked it or I didn't like it. Yeah. I don't have an answer either. Uh, what else? 
this is I don't understand the logic of having this half clinic, half abandoned mansion. Now I know that the abandoned mansion is is like a an, a nunnery, and it's based on the fact that what they're doing in there is um, you know to do with that exorcism. So they need links to that, but I don't know why you would have the patients just kind of like walk through like past like abandoned parts of that building with like glass walls up so they can't get through that just that to me felt just convenient so we could do some good scares and i can't see any other reason why that works what do you think yeah just so you could see the reflection of the ghosts that's all it was yeah terrible okay cool thanks <laughs> good um i don't know you i don't know what you'll think about this one so Everything that we'd seen at the start about Eli was that he freaked out about, you know, getting a hole in the bag of the suit that he was wearing. So there's a scene where the, his bedroom window gets a crack in it. Based on everything that we'd seen from him as a character, <laughs> he would have freaked out and hit the ground and hyperventilated. <laughs> and he didn't. Point. And I get that they, that's because he didn't, he wasn't actually sick, but like, in the, and so watch, as a film girl watching the movie, I'm like, what's going on? You've got a crack in the window and you're just like, oh yeah, cool. I'll go see what this is. It's a really good point. I think the only thing you could say is the window look, the glass are pretty thick. It doesn't look like that crack actually made its way through. It looked like it just cracked on the exterior. But it is a good, it's the first thing I thought when it happened, I'm like, oh man, it's going to like seep, seep the outside air in. But it, you know what? You probably, if you're making this film again, don't make that window crack because it added nothing. Unless exactly. that was supposed to think that it did seep through and like, why didn't he get infected? Exactly. But then on the flip side, it's not being true to his character, like you just pointed out. So yeah. 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 Double loss. Um, I think we're almost ready to put this one away and put together a final rating out of five. So what are you going to finish with for this one? Yeah, there hasn't been much to talk through about this film, has there? It was, um, it was just a strange, strange movie. It had some good scares and I can't ignore the fact that that really does matter. Um, it really does mean something. So Unfortunately, those scares don't really get great support from the general story and the performances, but I'm feeling generous today and I'm, I'm still going to give it a two and a half stars. Yeah, I can only sort of summarise what we've already said, but I mean, I, it was effective in, in some ways, especially through the scares, but I think that completely uh, batshit crazy uh, final act <laughs> turned into something that it wasn't for the rest of the film. So it was like, yeah, just a bit off and I think, as I said, to some pretty average performances, not one of the best horrors, still is okay. So give it a two out of five. She gives us a 2.25 out of five. I feel like the last like three films that we've done, you and I have had like a half star difference in our ratings. So we've given our average in the middle. And I feel like the middle is exactly where I wanted to put it every time. So it's worked <laughs> out really well. Worked out well. Good. Well, we are on socials with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a follow, a like if you can taken a line from the film in this one so um for a question out there the quote is if you knew the whole time you could have just told me did you feel ripped off by the ending <laughs> we've already answered that so but we'll see what others uh think about that as well <laughs> the thing is you could have it could have been a good ending and reveal and all that kind of stuff i just think that they just spoon fed us too much throughout and you didn't need him to be the son. Like if he completely wiped out that whole place and just walked off and walked off into the, the sunset by himself, that would have been fine. That's true. Yeah. It's not like, I suppose that the Sadie, and you know what, how much does this, oh no, the Sadie Sink character is actually important because she does divulge information about the other patients, which plays on his paranoia, but even the whole idea and you could have, but you could have just even ignored that. Yeah. 
Like you could have had her in it and then not had a resolution with her, have him being the son of the devil, but not tell you. And as you said, just walk off or even, you know, keep that, keep that relationship with his mum, go off with his mum, but knowing that he's kind of, you know, devilish, devilishly powerful. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, again, I don't, I don't mind a director going out in a bit of a limb and having fun with an ending and going, you know what, I'm not making a five-star film anyway. Let's have some fun and see where it lands. That's, it's kind of all right with me, but it's, um, it's still weird. Well, we're back next week to mix it up with a biographical comedy drama from 2019. This is The Laundromat, directed by Steven Soderbergh. It stars Meryl Streep, Gary Oldman, Antonio Banderos, Jeffrey Wright, David Schwimmer, Matthias Schoenhartz, James Cromwell, and Sharon Stone. So that's what we've got next week. It's quite a cast. It's a huge cast. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I love a, a Soderbergh film, so um, it'll be good. It will be good. Change your pace again. That's how we do it at Netflix. You like to keep us keep us on our toes. Yeah, good. And um, thank you for joining me today. It's uh, been a good one to chat about, even though we were both on the same page pretty much the whole way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's good to confirm that my thoughts were kind of, must have been on the same track though. So I appreciate that too. <laughs> good. And I will see you next week. See you then, mate.